live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. Good afternoon out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics powered by KF Media. I am your host and moderator Justin Russell in the Empire State Plaza of the capital of New York, Albany, New York. Joining us from the left coast, he is the former Biden political operative and a lawyer in Washington, D.C. He is Dan Littner, Esquire. Hi, Dan. Hola. And holding down the fort there at our nerve center at Podcast Village is the former one-star admiral to your United States Navy. He is Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Admiral Ken. Hello, Justin. And also in studio is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, who served at last count under four presidents, the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. Hey, before we get started real quick, I want to tell a big announcement coming out this week. Uh, Next Tuesday, we are going to have, I'm sorry, for, uh, yeah, next Tuesday, live in studio, we're going to have former Redskins football all-star, Santana Moss. Santana Moss is going to be in studio with the Backroom Politics crew talking about the politics of sports. And that we're looking forward to that one. So that's brand new. We're announcing it. Santana Moss on the show next next Tuesday. Uh, let's get to it. Um, our friend and longtime participant and just all around great guy, Jonathan Allen uh, with NBC News, put out an opinion piece uh, recently and talks about Trump's travels and all of the rallies that are going on and how he seems to be staying away from swing voters ahead from the midterms. Looking at the total number, we're, you know, we're talking about 500. He's done 500 Make America Great Again rallies since 2015. He's done 31 of them since the election and he is bringing people to the tv he's filling these these uh these you know gymnasiums and is capturing his base and bringing them all there and it just seems like he's feeding on the energy but is he really doing anything to sway votes let's talk about the the maga rallies as a whole if you look at where he's going, Alan Moore, you know, he's done several trips to Pennsylvania, several trips to Minnesota, Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Arkansas. These are base areas where he does not have a lot of play and there's not a lot of swing votes. Is this just shoring up for a president that has a base plus zero approval rating? This uh, president is not uh, welcome everywhere. Um, He's not popular everywhere. Um, When he gets in front of swing voters, um, there's a risk that he turns them off. If he goes to a place where there are swing voters, there's no guarantee at all that people would even show up. Um, he and he loves being loved. He loves going to places where he can riff. He'll have an outline that he apparently starts ignoring. He knows what what gets his base charged up. So he gets he has been getting free press. He fills up 
It used to be very large, then large, and now more medium-sized arenas. Um, so if you're trying to think about the impact on the, the elections, it has to be about reinvigorating the base. Get the people who like you to be sufficiently committed to get to the polls. If you can get most of your folks out, that can cover up a lot of errors, issues, and problems for the people who don't don't like you or don't if they really don't like you then they're they're also motivated if they're swing voters and don't care that much um they're not going to be persuaded by him if you're already a swing voter then then you're you've probably moved away from him not towards him so that's my hunch of what the calculus is it's not it's not rocket science uh what's interesting though is how the crowds are shrinking and there was a lot made he's going out to texas in a week or so oh you took my thunder alan okay well i'll uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you I'll, I'll i'll turn it back to you then oh so, thank you so, that's uh, very magnanimous of you thank so you. no that's quite all you know right what? that's quite Making all right the show great again but to ken our resident lone star um alan start off bringing up a really great point is you look at uh, the race in the Texas Senate seat between incumbent Republican Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke, the Democrat representative out of Texas. That is literally a dead heat, plus or minus two points. You're shaking your head. No, not you think no, not no, yeah, no. It's uh, it's opened up a little bit. I think Ted Cruz is sitting at about. 54, 56, and Beto O'Rourke is like around 46 or 47. So it's opened really, up a little it's, bit. Really, it's opened up that much. It's opened up that much. And, and I think a lot of it's being attributed to the Kavanaugh uh, uh, surge, if you will. But, but here's my question, though, is you look at Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke had an event with, with Willie Nelson and a couple of other celebrities. 50,000. What? Stop. What? Willie Nelson had an event that was free that Beto O'Rourke happened to be around for. You got it backwards, man. They oh. called it a Beto O'Rourke. This was people showing up to hear Willie Nelson. Well, the, I go the, hear the, Beto O'Rourke and Willie Nelson. Beto O'Rourke. The point is, Beto O'Rourke has 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 significantly outraised cash than Ted Cruz. He's raised, I think, probably in, I want to say another ten or ten or twelve million dollars more than Ted Cruz has been able to to amass. And the the question is, okay, so he's he's got the money. It's not uh, Texas money, though. It's not Texas money. It's he, not he, Texas he, money. He's got he's got the money right now. the The real question that 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 they that they have is, is one: Is he going to be able to get the the voters that don't that are not typically your most dependable voters, the young people of Texas who really don't like Ted Cruz to you know to come out of their dorms and from college. Uh, to you know, to to come out of whatever uh, jobs they have to take time off to go vote for him. That's the real question. I think you know, right now I was there last week. Uh, I had the uh, the opportunity to sit down and have a conversation with some of them um, at a place called Halcyon, right there on Fourth Street. Nice place, by the way. They're um, not advertising. No, not advertising. They're not advertising. No, no, but it, it was a great spot. And and so, but they they were very they were they were they're motivated. They they're they're excited. They really think that they're going to be the ones to be able to turn turn the tide and and beat Cruz. Um, but the analytics right now are not in their favor. They're not. But but I, I guess the point is when you look at when you look at I mean. I see what Alan's saying, but let's be clear. If you don't think that that was coordinated between the O'Rourke camp and the Willie Nelson camp, 
I mean, that says something. Willie Nelson just doesn't give a free performance out of the graciousness of his heart. He's yes, he does. still has to pay all that. Does he? What's the last yeah. time he had it? Uh, what I'm getting at is, regardless, <laughs> what I'm getting at is, regardless, is you had 50,000 rabid Beta O'Rourke fans, I would guess. There were signs everywhere. And yet Donald Trump says, I'm going to get campaigning for Ted Cruz, and I want to get the biggest stadium out there, and I'm going to fill it the heck with Willie Nelson. And yet he has to downgrade to an 8,000-seat arena. I guess the question to you, Alan, is are we getting Wait, the, the, numb? Does the, the Democrat get to chime in here at some point? Yeah. Before you go you, back, uh, Alan? Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm going back to Alan. I'll come to you, Dan. Wow. Everything has to go. Wow. Entitled. Alan Moore, are we getting numb to, to Donald Trump in the MAGA rallies, or is it still effective? I would like to defer to Dan on that question. <laughs> oh, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you on so many levels. No, you did that out of spite. You did that out of spite. Three or four times before I get a chance to speak, that's quite all right. Dan, Dan, take yes for an answer and shut up. <laughs> Dan Lipner, Esquire? So the actual issue at play, and while the poll numbers are the poll numbers, those poll numbers are also based on historical voting on off-year elections. So the big question is, uh, how successful will O'Rourke be uh, with his <coughs> get-out-the-vote efforts in Texas? Um, Texas has voted blue in the past. Oh, yeah. so it was a very, very long pass to go, but... It is possible. And the fact that Texas is turning more purple, if more voters show up than the current polling projects that are Democratic voters, then, yes, he could have a chance and it could be a surprise. So are you saying if more Democrats show up at the polls, then Republicans will work or win? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Far, no, no, I'm talking about the reliability that's, of the polling. The polling is all a, based on projections. Of I deferred to that. <laughs> Dan, sorry, wow, Dan. that was too Dan, easy, buddy. Go, go easy on Dan. He's out on he's out in San Francisco. He's recharging his liberal battery. Come on, man. <laughs> Dan, I want to go back to you because I want to I want to talk to you about the fact that it as a political operative, whenever you've done a campaign or you've brought in a big ticket item for a campaign, you're doing it to change the minds of voters. But this is one president that couldn't change uh, an oil filter for swing voters. What is the draw to continue to have the president out there doing what he does in areas that are already blood red? Well, already I disagree with you that the, the, the headliners do not necessarily mean you're trying to persuade anyone. In this case, the president will bring two things uh, to the table for Cruz. Uh, one of which will do continue to shore up the base of the Trump Party, which used to be referred to as the Republican Party, and that uh, and Ted Cruz, lacking any dig dignity for a man who has insulted not only him but his wife, man, will brother. gladly take that endorsement. Um, but in addition to that, the president will bring low-dollar contributions and some probably some significant high-dollar contributions along with it. Um, money is still money, and you got to spend it in politics. And if a work again has a good ground game and he's raised an enormous amount of money, uh, 
while not necessarily Texas money, it's worth noting that Republicans are spending money in Texas that they might want to spend somewhere else. So assuming that the pot is only so, only has so much in it, the the strategy here is that Republicans are forced to play, play defense on what should be just red territory. So they're going to be conceding other places. If you look further east, it's looking like Georgia could elect its first African-American woman governor, which is absolutely amazing. So the field is interesting in all sorts of ways. And Trump appearing in favor of Cruz, while it might help keep Texas in Cruz's column, that could also cost because the president seems to forget that TV can be recorded and played every place on this on, on cable television, this Internet thing that could also rally Democratic voters in other places. And that great, silent, hopefully least plurality of decent folks that find the president and anyone who backs the president just abhorrent. So in theory, it could tilt other races. So to John Allen's point, the yeah, keeping the president in blood red areas is nice, but the problem is those those speeches still get recorded and played in other places, and so you can't really narrow cast the president of the United States. Admiral Ken, and I think it's it's important to note that 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 strategy of making the Demo- making Republicans uh, spend money in places that heretofore they never considered uh, doing. Uh, is also working in other places in in the district in, in which I live. Brian Mass is in trouble. Um, he is. I mean, uh, there's it's fifty fifty whether he's going to pull this one out, and he's 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 up against the uh, uh, the most liberal of liberal Democrats, and it's just absolutely amazing uh, to watch this race go back and forth. Um, and I think also the the point that Fox News is starting to show some reticence to show these these Trump rallies now. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's big. I mean, they're, cut, they, they're cutting back. Yeah, I mean, exactly. They're cutting that, back. That, that, that is that has been as they, that that has been as most most effective uh, electronic mouthpiece up until now. And all of a sudden, you know, that's not going to be there anymore. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays. Into- I mean, Alan Moore, has the president overplayed his hand with Fox News as far as using Fox and Friends in the morning as a morning mouthpiece, using Sean Hannity as a de facto surrogate? And having them broadcast the MAGA rallies? Well, it, it Fox News responds in some ways to the marketplace. And as interest in Trump wanes, as in viewership declines when they show an hour-long rally, the Fox people are not crazy. They decide folks aren't showing up, folks aren't watching, we're going to – we're going to – capture a few sound bites a few snippets but they're 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 tired of this what will be next well maybe a stormy daniel story maybe kanye west in the oval um other things change or maybe they could find i don't know who it would be some entertainer that could help fill it i was remembering i'll it's tell you Tucker guys Carlson. Oh, i'll God. tell you guys a story of <laughs> a, 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 from 1972 a year after i arrived in washington I was a, a, a political appointee at, at the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare. Richard Nixon was, was the president. And I was a very low-level guy, and there was an event at a place called Hickory Hill, which was the home of Bobby Kennedy. It was a McGovern event. Um, I wasn't a McGovern supporter. 
McGovern wasn't even going to be there. But for $20, you could go and sit on the grounds at Hickory Hill in McLean, Virginia. There was gonna there was a there was a truck. I'll, I'll call it a food truck, but it wasn't the way we think of it now. I think it was a pickup truck filled with McDonald's burgers. That was the food. Um, and entertaining was John Denver and Roberta Flack. I liked them both. Wow. I went to wow. Hickory Hill to a McGovern fundraiser where he didn't show up. I spay, I paid twenty bucks and right. got to hear a free, except for the twenty bucks, live concert by John Denver and Roberta Flack. Wow. And I got a couple of big a couple of Big Macs out of the deal. Um and so when I hear 50,000 people show up to, to hear Beto O'Rourke uh, and, and Willie Nelson, it's like, no, 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 no. They're showing up to hear <laughs> Willie Nelson, and then we'll stomach a little Beto O'Rourke um, because, because who doesn't want to go to a free Willie Nelson concert, for God's sakes? Most of us. If they were going to appear here and I could go, I'd go. You, you, well, the contact high would be amazing for you, Alan. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, Dan, let's talk about the Democrats for the for a second, because the Democrats have a problem. It seems that Barack Obama is their best field asset right now, but he's kind of taking a step back. We haven't seen uh, as much of him as some had thought would be happening. And then every time we turn around, it seems that the Clintons continue to step in a large flaming paper bag of poop. Why are the why doesn't somebody in the Democratic Party just take Hillary and Bill, put them at the Lake of the Ozarks and tell them to sit tight until November? Because just in this week, she was saying stuff that ticked off a whole bunch of Democratic women like, oh, what my husband did in the Oval Office uh, wasn't taking advantage. She was an adult. Mm. To me, that seems self-inflicted wound. So uh, first, let me bifurcate. Bill and Hillary are not the same person. They are both individuals with their own talents and their own skills. And uh, so let's start there. Okay. Um, Fair enough. Bill. Tell us something we don't know. Bill has some some (laughs) impressive political talent um, and can still occasionally play a room, even though he's not doing it as much as he used to. Um, I have actually said this publicly to to uh, Democratic political friends who are still uh, relitigating the last campaign, and that statement is simple. Fair or not, there is a large percentage of the American public that do not like Hillary Clinton, either for legitimate reasons, which good for them, or illegitimate reasons for the fact that hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars over the 20 years of her political career have been spent trying to take her down, and some of that has stuck. Regardless of whether or not you think it's fair, it simply is. On top of that, she continues to not be the most shrewd person as far as picking her political punches to throw, and it does more harm than good. Uh, that said, she's entitled to speak if she'd like. I just don't think it's terribly helpful to the Democratic Party when she does. However, the Barack Obama, each time he's done his thing, um, he seems to pull the president off message uh, and 
also steals a bit of uh, the Trump thunder as far as the the history of the economic boom we are going through at the moment. So the pre- President Obama does still lend something there, and I'm certain he still lends something to the field game for get-out-the-vote efforts for Democratic candidates. You can do an awful lot without doing it from stage. And uh, President Obama, I have no doubt, is still doing things that we do not necessarily see on the front page of a local newspaper or the New York Times. And furthermore, the, it's not clear to me that Democrats are really in trouble. We were just talking about a Ted Cruz race. Um, yeah, the Senate's an issue simply because we have more Senate seats up than Republicans. But again, we are talking about a deep red state being Texas being in play. That statement alone is interesting. And as I mentioned earlier, Stacey Abrams is not only in play, but has a slight lead in the governor's race in Georgia, which is not an insignificant thing at all. In fact, it's kind of history. So, yeah, there are some things that Democrats have to look forward to um, beyond just what President Trump and the U.S. Senate. Right. Alan Alan Moore, do the Republicans have somebody that they can put into a swing states that could probably get the attention of independents, non-politically affiliated, or just those swing types that seem to be in real play this cycle? Um, this is a problem. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's nobody out there with national stature who gets along in a, in a good way, if you will, with, uh, with, with the president. So for most candidates, they're pretty much on their own. Now they, they can raise money. They can, they can go on the air. Um, the, the, there's a national aspect to this election, which we're seeing in all the national polls. And then there's the localized, um, uh, details where you, where you see constantly polls in different congressional districts and gubernatorial races and Senate races that are looking very different from the outcome of the 2016 election. And that has Republicans very frightened. Texas is a bit of a is a bit of an outlier. Ted Cruz had made himself into one of the most unpopular politicians in America. He unified the Senate in their hatred of him across the aisle. That's hard to do, but he was able to do that. Now he's and been in the house. He's been trying to make amends um, since then. He ran for president, which is usually not particularly helpful to somebody who then later tries to to claim loyalty and dedicated focus uh, to the state. Um, and then Beto O'Rourke is oh my God, the guy who's who the the press is falling all over to profile, to compliment. They would love to see a big upset, and there's no love lost with with Ted Cruz. All of those things are lining up to create a possible long-shot opportunity. Um, Cruz has put some distance, as Ken noted earlier, um, in in the last few weeks, um, and and he's going to have plenty of money. Um, he just won't have as much as as, as Aurorik does, but you know, money helps, but it 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 it's not the determining factor, as we're increasingly reminded. And the the politics of Texas are changing, um, so all of those factors right. um, make it not 
crazy surprise, but interesting from right. from a historical trend standpoint. Well, by the way, speaking of this Texas and, and race, Alan's point oh. about the press is worth noting since the national media every two to four years seems to get obsessed with an outsider candidate and said this is the next greatest thing. And they go on to get destroyed in the general election, Wendy Davis being the most recent. So I always take it with a grain of salt when people are talking about Texas. Don't get me wrong. I'll take the win if we get it. But I am not anticipating that we're necessarily going to win this thing. And actually, I want to keep on this Texas thing. Admiral Ken, the whole Whataburger ad campaign put out by Beto O'Rourke is pure genius. If you like Whataburger. Do you not? Whoa, wait a minute. This is big. Do you not like Whataburger? Not, not a fan, no. And you call yourself a Texan? Uh, I'm an adopted Texan, but you know, just like it takes more than being a more than standing up to be a patriot, uh, it takes more than eating a Whataburger to be a Texan. Wow, dude! I tell you what, I would not. I, well, now you just announced it to our entire fan. It's okay. It's all That's right. crazy. I, I got boots. I got. Are you, are you, are, I got boots. Like I got a Stetson. I got a long rider coat. I'm good. Buddy. Are you? Are you like? <laughs> are you? A, White, are you a White Castle guy? Uh, no. No. Dude, I'm wow. over 50. I don't eat burgers anymore. Come In on, give me a break. <laughs> Five guys? In and out. No, that's too liberal. That's Dan's, that's Dan's stuff on the back end there. <laughs> hey, that's the music playing. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, it's our What Do We Miss This Week segment. Uh, this is back from politics. The best political talk show you've never heard of. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Stay with us. And now we're reacquainted, and all the stars seem fresh painted. And here's what I long to say to you. Hello, Heartstring, where have you been? If you could only read my mind, what a tale you'd find. If I could, I would be bound forever. I'd never sever me from you You won't believe it's true But I've been missing you I dream of kissing you Let's give it one more chance One more slow dance Heartstring, let's cling Tie my heart to you Hello
live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back with the greatest political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from a split screen. I am your host, moderator Justin Russell. In studio, Alan Moore, Admiral Ken, and on the West Coast, we've got Dan Lipner, Esquire. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about our uh, uh, last segment for the week and just talk about the stuff. What did we miss in discussing all the topics that we have in our two shows this week? Uh, this week, I'm going to start with Admiral Ken. Admiral Ken, what did we miss this week? Alec Baldwin has a talk show. That's what you come up Hold on, with. hold on. Okay, Alan Moore has, I mean, Alan, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. <laughs> Alec Baldwin has a talk show. They're now, 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 let that, let that, let that resonate in your mind for just a moment. Let it percolate. Alec Baldwin has a talk show, and his first guest, one of his first guests, Robert, Donald Trump, Robert De Niro. Oh, Robert De Niro. It was He's, like watching. It was like watching an outtake from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> a very, very unfunny outtake from Saturday Night Live. Dan Lipner, is this Alec Baldwin's first foray into preparing himself to running for president in 2024? <laughs> uh, I think I, I, he's already pretending to be Donald Trump. I don't think he really needs to run for president. So that, that's all the practice he needs. Oh, all right. That's fair enough. Alan, Alan Moore, have you seen the Alec Baldwin show? Um, no, I'm very anxious to because I'm sure it'll be fabulous. <laughs> you mean to tell me, wait, Admiral Ken, yeah. you are a you are a retired commissioned admiral in the United States Navy. Uh-huh. There is foreign policy and military policy stuff going out there. And the what do we miss is Alec Baldwin has a TV show. You know, it, it's kind of like when you're driving down the freeway <laughs> and, you know, and you got some really good tunes going on and wife sitting in the seat next to you. Yet on the other side, you see this you see this this wreck and you're just awestruck by it. You're ostr- you, you can't take your eyes off of it. So similarly speaking, I, I was I was at the house and I was like, okay, wow, that's. I was the only thing not putting you in the cage right now is I am not there. I'm in the cage. You, you can only watch the uh, prices right so many times before you have to watch Alec Baldwin. True, <laughs> true, very true. Yeah. Now, I want to go to a real man of substance right now, Alan Moore. What did we miss? This? I mean, because now I see, it seems silly. We might as well go back talking about Kanye West. So, so the fiscal year ended September 30th, and now- And we, have a, we don't have a government shutdown. No, we don't. And although well, we may have one after the elections, we'll see, <laughs> over the border wall, because there's about 18% of the government not yet funded, including Homeland Security. But what we missed was that at the end of the fiscal year, what we've just learned in the last day or two is that last year- Individual income tax collections were the highest they've ever been. The, wow. The economy's going gangbusters. We've got the highest individual tax receipts ever and a budget deficit in this powerful, strong income tax generating economy of $780 billion in one lousy year. It's the highest in six years, and, and if you go back six years and you say, oh, my God, that's when we were still recovering from the recession. We 
are walking along the edge of the physical cliff, people. We have this really good economy, and the mar- even the stock market was up over 500 points today. All right, after dropping um, almost <laughs> over twelve hundred last yeah, week, by, right, and it and it was up yesterday too. So, but but those are just interesting indicators and reminders that that corporate profits are up and the market's doing well and 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 everything. But we're living in this this fantasy world that as long as the world that wants to come to the the U.S. economy to invest money because we're the biggest and safest, which we still are, notwithstanding uh, American stature in the world or anything else. They they there's still they may not love, love our leaders, but there's right. still a lot of love for the United States, its economy, its wealth, its dollars, its tourism, um, and and uh, and we're riding this. Um, uh, into this dangerous place with regard to accumulating uh, long-term deficits, and as interest rates go up, the percent, the, the share of the government that goes to interest on our debt is now is going to surpass the amount of money we spend annually on defense within a few years. Alan Moore, let me ask you a question because because I was talking to a friend of mine who is a self-proclaimed economist. I just don't know how good he is. But the question, the, the comment he made to me is he feels that the economy we're dealing with right now is what he called, quote unquote, a bipolar economy. Is there some truth in that? <laughs> I, <laughs> as somebody who at one point in my life could claim that I, you know, that I was an economics major and economist. I have no idea what that question, what that comment means. Bipolar. I mean, all the indicators are that this is the strongest, healthiest economy that we've seen in the better part of a generation. 50 years. We've all right. In five generations. (laughs) Forever. If you're Donald Trump's uh, measure. That's true. But we, we're seeing the strong numbers, strong economy. Unemployment is at virtual nil. And yet, at the same time, we are walking a tightrope that if the wind blows, we're falling off a financial cliff. It, it, it just doesn't seem like there's any reality to it. It's we're, like all jazz hands. We are in a, an unsustainable situation that periodically um every few years there'll be a special commission of members of the senate or members of the house or a bipartisan commission of folks who say you know something we can't continue to so overspend on government activity compared to what we take in in taxes we need to start making decisions and now to move back towards not balance necessarily per se that would always be nice it's a, it's a good it's a good goal and objective but to reduce our dependence on deficit spending 10,000 people per day 10,000 baby boomers a day are 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 turning 65 so we've got this huge group of older people who are going to st- stop paying taxes and are going to start drawing all these benefits um and i'm not saying that there's just one problem that's just the biggest piece so okay you know what but here's the thing alan oh. 
Oh, oh, wait a minute. Dan Lipner, go ahead. No, so Alan's sort of right, but it's important. Sort of right. That, sort of right. No, 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 I'll take that from Dan. Of, this, this, this is part of the rhetoric that occasionally gets lost. And the, the, the which kettles of cash are involved with what? Yes, I agree with everything Alan said, that it is unsustainable, especially during a booming account, economy, to have these kind of budget deficits. Some would say it's, it's offensive to common sense to have these kind of budget deficits with a booming economy. And there are future issues, and those future issues are coming really soon with both with Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. That said, it, uh, Senator McConnell, and I'm assuming it was reported correctly today, said that part of the reason for the budget deficit was entitlement, not trip. <laughs> <laughs> By the numbers, the, the tax cuts did an awful big bit of damage to the current budget deficit, as did the increased spending, principally on military spending. But if you're not dealing with just the facts at hand, how do you get comity to actually deal with the issue? And not to mention, since only one side of the aisle, Republicans have proclaimed, and I'm sure it will happen again, that Democrats are tax and spend liberals. Okay, I'll take that argument, but at least we're looking for a place for revenue. And we're yeah. Republicans, there's plenty of evidence that they just spend. So, 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 um, so by the way, just, just uh, so in this discussion, my friend who is the self-proclaimed economist that said it's a bipolar economy came back and said it's absolutely bipolar. You've got these strong economic drivers that are that are really, really pushing it. And then the next day we could be literally falling into a deficit that we could never recover from. Well, that would suggest it's not really that strong. If just because it's a bubble with a lot of surface area, it doesn't mean it can sustain a whole lot of weight. So I, I, I disagree with the analogy on its face. I tend to agree with them. Admiral Ken, what do you think? I mean, to me, it's, it doesn't sound logical. If we have these type of economic numbers and, and there's no sign of it slowing down, why should we be worried about the fact that this could all come tumbling down at any minute? Because it's not reasonable to not worry about it. I mean, looking at looking – like I, I referred to this earlier in the show. Um, you know, went out to uh, – and I, I highly recommend this um, – Trump's numbers, uh, courtesy of factchecks.org, Trump's numbers for the month of October. Uh, Every part of the economy is is clicking right along. Unemployment's down um, uh, to to levels they haven't seen since 1969. Um, um, GDP, um, uh, consumer price index, everything's going in the right direction. The only thing that's not going in the right direction is is the the deficit. It's, It's absolutely, it's insane. But, and, but here's and, the problem and, and, with that, though, Ken, is the fact that we're sitting there. The president is touting his economic greatness by giving a tax break yeah. that was sustained by nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, like I said, you know, it, it, it defies logic in that uh, we would we would we would we would create uh, we would blow a hole in the in the deficit at, as big as this. Uh, I want to say it's like seventeen, almost twenty billion dollars that that we added to it just about the uh, the, the tax cut. I'll, I'll defer to Alan on that one. But yeah. why would we we would do that 
when the economy, quite frankly, was already headed in the right direction. This may, you know, it, it may have spurred uh, some 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 uh, some improvement to some extent, but it was already heading in the right direction. In my mind, this would have been the time to start taking a look at what we can do to address the deficit without doing something as insane as sequestration, uh, because quite frankly, you know, the military is going to be feeling the damage of that for years to come. So, so Alan Moore, I mean, what what I hear from Admiral Ken is is basically we just basically took a cash advance on the credit card. On this tax break, everybody's running around so, with a big so, bar tab. So hang on a second. So we have been riding that credit card big time for years. So when Dan says that Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid have nothing to do with it, Dan is saying something not very smart. Of course it's part of it. And of course, uh, the 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 tax piece is part of it. The tax piece is bigger than Ken said. The tax piece it was about a trillion dollar tax bill over ten years. That's about a hundred billion dollars a year. So, having said that, we do know that the that the corporate piece of the tax cut has generated some significant economic activity. Was it worth it? We can argue about that. I always favored the the corporate piece, didn't like the individual piece. Different people had different points of view. It, But the fact of the matter is, there is nothing we're doing that is not contributing. The areas that, that eat the biggest chunk of money arguably contribute the most. Now, in the case of Social Security and Medicare, we have some dedicated taxes, payroll taxes that do pay for a significant portion, but not all of the costs, which is why the trust funds for Social Security and Medicare have a defined life if nothing else changes, which is why we need to find ways to bring more revenue into those programs. In terms of the rest of government, we have to find ways to find more revenue and reduce spending across the board. And and at a time of healthy, uh, of, a, of a very healthy, um, recently, recent historically healthy, that's the time right. to start looking, to be serious. But right now we've got the tribalism, we've got the ugliness, we've got the daily diversions um, that, that prevent us or that, that absorb our attention and no really serious-minded people coming together to say, whoa, or if they are, it's not visible and they can't get any traction. You need presidential leadership. Even when you get presidential leadership, there's no guarantee you can make something happen. Different presidents have tried. This president has said things like, we're not going to touch those entitlement programs. Right. Dan Lipner, what do we miss this week? Uh. Also from the President's 60 Minutes interview, conversations about General Mattis that might be on the way out as Secretary of Defense calling Mattis, I believe the phrase was, sort of a Democrat. Um, Yeah, so uh, as far as the adults in the room and at, at the foreign policy level for the Trump administration, Mattis is one of those folks that everyone was looking to to be a stabilizing hand. Uh, so if that's true, that's one heck of a thing to miss. Admiral Ken? 
So last night I had the pleasure of uh, sharing a drink with our friend Jonathan Allen. And uh, through uh, some matter of jesting, he accused me of becoming a Trump supporter after watching the 60-minute interview. And I said, you know, he, <laughs> President, Trump, President Trump had me, yet I know more about this than Mattis does. I, I, at that point, I said, he, he had me. I was, I was his. So, uh, you know, I, I've taken a great deal of solace in the fact that, uh, that General Mattis was, was over at DOD uh, because as crazy as the rest of the world w- might have been going, right? Um, uh, there was there was there was hope in my heart that you know if it came uh, to a situation where we were going to have a wag the dog kind of uh, um, exercise, that that Mattis would be the guy that would that would stop that. Right. Um, I I I I think that uh, a Trump. A Trump administration without someone like General Mattis uh, as uh, Secretary of Defense is a is a is a is a scarier scarier day for me than than the days we've had before. Alan Moore, I want to give a quick shout out to two first ladies. Last Friday, I watched Michelle Obama on one of the morning shows announce a Global Girls Initiative that uh, part, large partnership. She is articulate. She's smart. She was asked about political uh, future for herself. She said, no, never, ever. That's not me. That's not my calling. I would never do that. But she's a classy woman who's dedicating time and energy and effort to a really good international support girls cause. And then... I myself watched the uh, the Melania Trump interview on ABC, on ABC when right. uh, it, it grew out of her her trip to Africa. I was thrilled that she was going to Africa. I liked a lot of the visuals. People, the the press couldn't help itself. It had to talk about some of her outfits. Fine, she herself said. I wish you'd pay more attention to what I'm saying and doing rather than what I'm wearing. So <laughs> I was very impressed with her. I thought she she acquitted herself very well. We don't know that much about her. She showed herself. She was asked about her president's uh, affairs, about whether he tr- whether she trusts the people around him. There were no questions that were out of bounds, and I thought she right. handled herself remarkably well so shout out to both of those women first of all i i want to i want to agree with you alan is that i I think melania i mean melania is not michelle obama at the same time mania melania is not barbara bush uh nor is she mamie eisenhower what what i will say is that Number one, I think she did a good job. I agree with you. I, 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 she's not she's not known for her, her eloquent dialogue on politics. She's very steadfast in her beliefs. She's very steadfast in her uh, her outreach to Africa. I think that she's the best ambassador we could have sent to that continent uh, from the U.S. government. And you want to know something else? She has an element of style that we have not seen in a long time. If the media is going to make fun of her outfits, guess what? I thought it was cool. She looked like she was at a 1920s uh, Egyptian travel film. I thought she looked fantastic. You know, I had no problem with that. We have not previously in our in our lifetimes here had a first lady with so little preparation for the role yes the people who become presidents are normally first of all native-born americans in most cases and then they are married to politicians people who find a path to running for and succeeding and being elected to the presidency 
she was, you know, she's been in America 23, 24 years. She married right. this New York real estate uh, tycoon, lived a, a fancy right. life. She had no preparation for any of this in terms of the, the political right. side. And look at her. I, I, I'm very impressed with I thought, sort I was, of where I she is and job. what she's done, especially given where she's come from. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, a uh, couple of things real quick uh, before we end the show. Uh, number one, um, our thoughts and our hearts go out to everybody down there in the in the Florida panhandle. Uh, this one hits home for me a little bit. Uh, last week, Hurricane Michael just went through and did something I have not seen in my in my lifetime. I've seen damage from Hurricane Andrew. I've seen flooding from other hurricanes like Hurricane Harvey last year. Hurricane Michael just wiped out entire towns. Hurricane Michael did damage that we never even thought possible. And it's going to take a long time for that part of Florida to even get close to reality again. Uh, our, our, our hearts are going out to him. I urge everybody, if you have a chance, donate to a cause that is supporting the hurricane efforts, whether it's the Salvation Army, it's the Red Cross, just give. These are people that really need some help and they can really use some support. So, to our friends down there, and there are a few that are listening right now. I know that for a fact. Thank you. Thank you very much, and we're with you. We got your back. With that being said, uh, again, next week we're going to be talking to Santana Moss inside the studio. The week after that, on October 30th, we're going to do our midterm preview show. We're going to talk about all the key races that are going to be coming out. And uh, on behalf of our executive producer, Deb uh, Deb Chandler, our producer, Audrey Howerton. I enjoy the spa. Hey, by the way, mom and dad Howerton, she's doing well at school. And on behalf of Admiral Ken, uh, Alan Moore, and out in the West Coast, Dan Littner, I'm your host and moderator, Justin Russell. You can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politics. You can also follow us at our website, backroompolitics.org. Or you can email me your fan mail, justin at backroompolitics.org. Hey, keep an eye on everything, America. Stay active and vote. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.